Told you it was long. So you can't say that I didn't tell you. That's, that's what I was trying to get at. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. That's how we all responded to that gospel. We praised Jesus. We praised Jesus for those very difficult teachings. That's what we did. Did you mean those words? We heard in our first reading, it began with this. If you choose, you can keep the commandments. They will save you. Commandments. We're so familiar with them, right? But when we approach them, we act as though we don't want them, especially in our, you know, culture and society, right? Freedom is held to such a high, high level. And so the word commandment, we almost like balk at it, right? Like, how can you tell me what to do, right? To our high ideal of freedom, commandments are almost like something we don't really want. If you choose, you can keep the commandments. They will save you. Let's take a poll real quick. How many of you think there is something wrong with the world? Raise your hand. Okay, <laughs> making sure we're living in the same world here. Right? It's no doubt, my brothers and sisters, there's something wrong with the world, right? But why? What's its cause? What is the catalyst for such tragedy that we see? Well, the question we all ask, I think we all ask all the time, is Why? Why do evil things happen to me or to my loved one? Why is there evil that directly affects me? There's a story about this man named G.K. Chesterton. G.K. Chesterton was an English fellow, and he was a writer and thinker, philosopher, theologian. And now they don't know whether this story was actually true, but it's kind of a little fable that's told about his life, and that it was this, that there was this paper that came out, and in the paper there was an essay invitation to write. And the essay invitation was asking someone to write an essay about with this question. It says, the question is, what is wrong with the world? That was the topic of the essay. And supposedly G.K. Chesterton enters the competition. This is what he had to say. He wrote the top of his page, what is wrong with the world? He wrote, I am, period, yours truly, G.K. Chesterton. My brothers and sisters, what is wrong with the world? G.K. Chesterton has kind of an insight. I am. I am. We hear in today's gospel Jesus say, you heard that it was said, blah, 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 but I say to you, Right? Here's this man, Jesus of Nazareth, who's taking the very law of God that was divinely revealed by God. And he's saying, you heard it was said that this was the law, but I say to you not just that, this. That is a bold claim for this man to make. And so the question is, why can Jesus do that? What gives him credit to take this divine law and add to it? And why should we even follow it? Why should we take him at his word? Why should we say, yeah, I'll do that, Jesus. I think for us to really understand this, we have to take a step back. And I want us to take a step back, right? 
And I want us to go all the way to the beginning of the Bible. We know the beginning, right? It says, in the beginning. God creates, right? He creates light. He creates the sun. And it goes through this whole orderly procession of this majestic and beautiful creation. Space, time, matter, beauty, flourishing, right? And then it ends with this creation of this unrepeatable and unique creature we call man and woman. Does God need to create? No. God is infinitely perfect and blessed in himself, as the catechism says. God needs nothing, yet he decides to create. And what does that tell us? That the benefiting party is not God in this situation. The party that benefits is the creation. But what was the last thing created because he saved the best for last? Man and woman. You and me. That's who benefits from this creation. You see, God needs nothing, but he creates. Why does he create? Because he wants to share his life with us. And he creates us, and we're in this unique and unrepeatable relationship with God, and he loves us, and he wants us to flourish. That's why he creates a garden. It's a symbol of flourishing, a symbol of something that's thriving, of beautiful. And he places man and woman in the garden to say, that is you when you're with me. That's you when you're with me. And it's only when man and woman are created does the Bible say that everything becomes good to very good. Who makes creation very good? You do. You make creation very good. So in the beginning, we have this harmony with God. Can you imagine that for a second? This beautiful and majestic place. Think of the most beautiful sunset you've ever seen, right? It just struck you. It brought you to awe. But now imagine, right, the newly, freshly minted creation with all the flowers and stars and beauty. And then you're the one that's the most beautiful. You have this harmony with God, harmony with yourself, harmony with others, harmony with creation. Everything is perfect. And then it's all tested. Man and woman are tested, right? And they have one question to answer. They have one part of the examination. The question is this. Do you want to be like God, with God, or without God? That's all they have to answer. And what's their answer? Without God. Say, God, we like being in your image and likeness, but we want to be like you, but we want to be like you without you, right? And so they reject the very being. They reject the very holder of harmony. And so what happens when you reject the holder of harmony? Well, you get disharmony. And everything comes crashing. Disaster ensues. Sin begins. Death enters into human history. Adam and Eve are the first ones to ask that question. What is wrong with the world? And the first one, they're the first ones that have to answer with what? I am. I am. But this is not a sad tragedy without any hope, my brothers and sisters, because immediately after we see the fall, we see a promise. 
we see a promise from the one who created everything, from the holder of harmony, from God himself. And he says, I'm going to give you a savior. And then he begins to establish covenant after covenant after covenant with his people, covenant being a family bond. And he says, please, 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 please do not reject me. All I want is your flourishing. All I want is you to succeed. All I want is to show you how much I love you. And throughout human history, we see over and over and over again the pattern of human beings saying, I want to be like you, but I want to be like you without you. And from that moment, right, every single human person who has entered the human history has to answer the question, what is wrong with the world with what answer? I am. Except when this little girl arrives on the scene, she's given the name Mary. And this Mary has a little son. He's given the name Jesus. And they're the only two people in all of history who, when asked the question, what is wrong with the world, they're the only two people who can really with confidence and truly say, I am not. I am not. And so we have on the scene of human history breaking in, not just the cycle of I am to that question, but now begins the cycle of the I am not. This new man, this new woman. You see, in the first creation, woman comes out of man, out of his side. But now as God issues a new creation, now a woman comes forth and from her comes the new man. You see how it all blends together. It's like harmony is being issued back into creation. And so the promised one, Jesus Christ, comes in to establish a new harmony, right? And he represents both parties, that were involved in that first act, God and man, because he is God and man in one person. And so he can bring them back together. He's the only one. He's the only one. He preaches, he teaches, he heals, he forgives, but the pinnacle of the procession of his life is his passion, his suffering, his death, his resurrection, and his ascension. And he conquers sin, he conquers death. And this is what it means when we say that Jesus saves us because he is the only one besides his mother who has broken the cycle of I am's to the question of what is wrong with the world. Let's go back to our gospel now. This is why. This is why he can say to his disciples, to everyone who's listening, You have heard that it was said, but I say to you. You have heard that it was said, but I say to you. You see, each of us now, our brothers and sisters, we're in human history. We are in the history books. And we're like every brother and sister that has gone before us, besides Mary of Nazareth and Jesus of Nazareth, that when we're asked a question, what is wrong with the world, we have to respond with, I am. But if we choose to keep the commandments, they will save us. But if we choose to keep the commandments, we can say, I am not. 
You see, we can be followers of Jesus and we can be breakers of the cycle. That is the choice that's presented to each of us. This man, Jesus, steps on the scene, breaks the cycle of sin, and we recognize that we're sinners, but we don't want to contribute to the wrongness of the world, and we have a couple options, and Jesus says, if you choose, you can keep the commandments, and they will save you. But you see, this Savior does not force himself. He lets us choose. Because the first parents chose, they chose wrongly. But each of us have the opportunity to recognize that usually we answer the question of what is wrong with the world with I am. And we have to start there. But guess what? Our whole life is supposed, is supposed to be writing that word N-O-T. But the only way we can write that word is if we join ourselves to the one of two people who alone with confidence could say that, that I am not what is wrong with the world. And that person is Jesus Christ. If you choose, you can keep the commandments and they will save you.